guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. Episode 100. Can you believe it is here? I cannot believe it. It feels so cool. Like 100 feels like such a big number. We have released an episode of Mama Knows Podcast every single week for almost two years It feels so special to me that you are listening. I hope you're getting a lot of good information. I hope you're feeling inspired. And I hope that everything that we're putting out is something meaningful to you in your life. For episode 100, we're celebrating with a big Q&A. I pulled you guys on social media and I asked you to submit any and every question you have for me about anything and everything. And I broke it down in categories. We did self-care, relationship, parenting, and mental health. Those are the categories that truly define Mama Knows Podcast, and I love talking about all things those categories. Also, what's super special is that this is the very first episode of 2024. We're starting out strong. You're getting to know me a little bit. And lastly, I want to announce that the month of January... After this episode, we will be celebrating confidence, meaning all the episodes you're going to hear in January are going to be part of a confidence series. And I'm super excited about this. We are going to build our confidence together this month. So whether you're ready or not, here we go. We're going to be some hot bitches mentally, physically, emotionally. Let's dive into this episode. Thank you, Tom, for being here. I love you all. I thought I was going to be, like, the special reason of the episode, not the... Oh, I said I have my lovely husband here. Isn't that enough? Hmm. Let's jump in. For episode 100, I wrote down a bunch of different questions that you guys asked me on different occasions, but specifically recently when I asked you to ask me anything you want. And I broke it down by category. We have self-care mental health, relationship, and parenting. Basically what my podcast is about. I love that you guys are sticking to the theme. You're asking me all the right questions. Can you believe that this is the top? I saw that. The top question. We're not going to spoil it. It's intimate. Very personal. Very personal, you guys. In honor of this being episode 100, I did want to have Tom read a review. Reviews are so important for podcasts because it bumps my podcast out. It shows me to more people. It allows other people to find me and to listen to this really important information we're putting out on Mama Knows Podcast. So thank you for those who leave me reviews. And if you haven't yet, I would love it if you did so. I'm going to have Tom read this really sweet review that came in on November 14th from May. The review is entitled A Must Listen. The best thing about this podcast is the wide range of topics Nina covers and the amazing and knowledgeable guests she has on, like yours truly. The way Nina engages with the guests and asks questions she knows all of us are thinking is awesome. Also, it's great that the episodes are not too long and are easy to get through. 10 out of 10 would recommend this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. That's the so end. sweet. 
All right. Should we dive in? Tom has the questions on his phone. I do. He's going to kind of jump around, and we'll go from there. call a moderator? Well, we're just wrapping up the holidays here. Let's start with this one. How do you set boundaries with in-laws? This is something I've gotten really good at, setting boundaries with everyone in my life. In-laws specifically, that can be really tough for a lot of people because you have each other's parents who we love and want them as part of our life. But then we also want to have our own family, our own traditions, our own life, our own rules. So I get why that can be really hard for people. But I do believe that if you set boundaries lovingly and firmly, it's healthier for the family in general. A lot of times the receiver of the boundary may not like it and they may just take it personal. I've been there. I've been the one that takes boundaries personal, but boundaries are here to protect us. So for me personally, for in-laws boundaries, Tom and I have come a long way. I ask him to communicate with his mom about anything that needs to be done because it's just too stressful for me. And I feel like my expectations are just so different because my mom is so different. And they're not bad, different from each other. They're both freaking incredible, but it's so different. So, and I don't want to like hurt her, upset her. So whenever there's like anything that I need communicated or that, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. When there's ever anything that needs to be communicated about like our schedule, our plans, our kids, Tom handles that. Occasionally I will too, but it's, I feel like it's pretty healthy. What do you think? Yeah, I think we both like are more than able to like communicate with each other's parents and whatever about it but it's it just seems to have worked out easier for us especially that when something needs to be said or done with your mom you handle it something needs to be said or done with my mom I handle it because we just know how to communicate it a way that is best for them to not take it personally or anything or no negatives about it just hey this is how it is If you have an input, cool, great, we'll try, but we're going to do what's best for us. Yeah, I also think it's really important to have a discussion prior to, especially when you're first getting married, like, or even just dating, Mm -hmm. it's important to have a discussion about what the boundaries are. Like, we defend and protect each other, and we also love and want to protect our families, but at the end of the day, like, we are married to each other. And we're a team, so we have to be on the same page about things before we bring them to our in-laws or anyone else, really, in our life. And if you're not on the same page with your partner, then the boundary thing is going to be a lot harder. Well said. Let's go a little lighter. Do you ever lose your shit as a parent? Every day. Every day. Do you? I don't even know where my shit is. I lost it years ago. Every day, I lose my shit. Some days, like, there are occasional days where I don't. But basically, when your cup is not full to the rim, which is not so, like, it's not common to have a very full cup every single day. When your cup is not full to the rim and you're not taking care of yourself, the weather isn't perfect, the noises aren't low, the dishes aren't done. When when there are so many outside factors playing into your parenting, it's hard not to lose your shit. And and losing your shit might be a whole different 
definition to different people. A spectrum of shit losing. There's different spectrums of shit losing. There can be like frustration where you just like grunt or yell or there can be like screaming at your kids or your partner they could be throwing there i mean there could be all different types of levels of losing your shit and every day there's different levels that i lose my shit on same with you i also feel like we need to step back and let people know that the cup you're referring to is the good cup that you want full not the cup of like shit so yes i do lose my shit The biggest thing that I've learned is when I do lose my shit, I have to follow up or follow through with an apology or an explanation. And I need to like really think about what is triggering me so bad. Am I hungry? Am I tired? What like what's going on? It's super important to check in with yourself and see where in the cup are we empty? How empty is our cup? What do we need to do to fill it? And it's okay to lose your shit. And also you got to keep an eye on the other cup. That's the one that gets filled with shit. I feel like you really complicated There's that. two cups. Good no. cup and a cup of There's like one over- cup. No, it's either full cups. with good things or empty. That's the good cup. I, I feel like you're complicating. There's not doesn't need to be two cups. I want two cups. Well, you can have two cups. I want Thank one you. cup. That's all I need is two cups. What makes you jealous of other people? Oh my God. I feel like that's such a loaded question. (laughs) I think everyone gets jealous. I think some people are way better and like in their healing journey as far as that stuff goes, but envy and jealousy is, is something that's unhealed inside of us, right? It's something that you feel their life is better and you want to be that. What makes me jealous? Usually And this is like so toxic because of all people, I know this isn't true. Usually what makes me jealous is when I see influencers on social media and their kids are like dressed and matching and behaving and smiling and laughing and they're having this cute like family time and everything is so like flowy and aesthetic and I'm like, the fuck? I can't even get my kids to match their damn socks. One kid's wearing her brother's underwear. She's already on her seventh pair of pants today. Her brother is wearing a shirt that's too small because he's in love with that shirt. My five-year-old insists on having his shoes on the wrong feet. Family dinners, there's yelling and shouting, like yelling, like excited yelling. Sometimes there's yelling like, sit down and eat your food yelling. I mean, there's all kinds of shit losing happening (laughs) in my family. I mean, we have our amazing family moments, but yes, that's what makes me jealous. Although I know that is not true. Like I know that those families have their shit losing days too, but I'm like, damn, dude, I wish my kids would smile for a picture just one time. It's way deeper than I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say something about, like, a well-organized, clean house. Oh, well, yeah. That makes me very jealous. People, okay, I, a lot of things make me jealous, I'm, I'm realizing. People who organize their house and keep it organized and have, like, clean kitchens and nothing on their kitchen counters, 1,000% jealous of you. 1,000%. Not ashamed to admit it. How do you and Tom break up house duties? Oh, man. I feel like we do things as we go. 
we have a list of things that we like to have done daily, like vacuuming, dishes, picking up, generally picking up. And then we just kind of both do it. I personally don't like how anyone else cleans my house other than me. But I've learned to just like not say anything because effort is effort and I can't complain. I don't know. I feel like we kind of have unspoken. It's kind of stuff that's been, yeah, like unspokenly, like, well, obviously it was spoken at one point. Like you you mow the lawn and like he takes care of a lot of the outside stuff. He takes care of a lot of things. Like the kitchen, I feel like is super equal. I do more of the like. I clean the bathrooms. You will if I ask you to, but Tom's not the one that's going to be like, I'm going to go clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more likely to clean the bathrooms and pick the kids' rooms up, but I feel like we're both very equal in what we do. I don't think there's ever, there's never an argument of like, I'm doing more than you. Sometimes it feels like, I think, both ways. Sometimes it yeah. feels like one or the other is pulling more weight, but like, if we actually broke it down, I feel like everything is super equal. I know that doesn't help because we didn't give you like our exact formula. However, we have written down the things that we like to have done. And then we just kind of like know like bed sheets need to be changed. I already was thinking about that today. I already laid out clean ones, but I don't think you think about that. No, none generally but um like like we have our certain things like you would rather load the dishwasher than unload it and i would much rather unload it because i hate touching and dealing with the leftover food and all that disgustingness and again that's just something like unspoken like hey the dishes need to get done well i check if it's empty or not and we will both do either or too I did get this game that that was written by the therapist where it like helps you like see the load of each other. So I'm curious to do that because I feel like he carries a load in a lot of areas. And then I like he'll go get my car cleaned. He'll clean my car. He'll fill my gas tank. Like he does things like that that I don't often think about and then vice versa. So I, I don't know. I guess my suggestion is make a list of everything and then divide it or like talk about what's important to you and what you would like to do and vice versa. And then like Tom didn't like this, but I liked doing the notes app where you can like check off what you did every day. And then you can see like it's shared with your partner and you can see, Oh, he's checking off this. And then it kind of makes you think like, I'm going to go do this. So I don't know. I feel like that's a good tip. Are you still in contact with your half-siblings? I am. I have a half-sister and a half-brother. They're in their middle to late 20s. My half-sister has two kids. My half-brother has a girlfriend. They live in Arizona. And yeah, I am. We don't talk super often, but yes, we are still in touch. Somebody wants to know what was postpartum depression like for you? Oh, man, I think I have, I don't know if I have episodes on this specific topic. I I believe I do if I do a link down below. But postpartum depression, 
for me presented very different than what you would think. You would think like sadness and I don't love my baby, that kind of stuff. But there, I, I learned that there are so many different forms of postpartum mood disorder. So I was diagnosed with postpartum mood disorder with like anxiety and rage, which all fall under this postpartum depression umbrella. So depression doesn't have to be necessarily just sadness. It can also be rage. So I had a lot of rage. I had intrusive thoughts. I had feelings of like intense anxiety and chest pain. My anxiety wasn't necessarily about my baby or my kids. It was just more like always feeling on edge about everything. And my rage was towards my toddler. Like I, I I couldn't, every noise, everything he did, everything, it just felt so overwhelming to me. And I felt like I just wanted to like throw him. And that was really scary to me because I would never want to hurt my kids and nobody would. And that was, yeah, that was really scary for me. And it lasted, I mean, I was on medication for a year and a year and a half. And I was in therapy for two, almost two and a half years. Um, I would say after about a year and a half is when I started feeling a little bit more normal. The rage and the intrusive thoughts got a lot easier right when I started the medications, like within a couple months. And on top of that is how did you know you needed therapy and how did you go about it? I knew right away that I needed help because I didn't want to feel like I wanted to hurt my kid. I was scary to me to have those thoughts and visions and the intrusive thoughts were really scary for me. Like I would literally envision myself like pushing my kid and it scared me and everything was overwhelming to me. So I, at my six week appointment, I talked to my practitioner who delivered my baby and I was like, you know, that questionnaire they give you, I was filling it out and all like all the questions were like so bad. Like all my answers were so bad. And the girl who like did my vitals the tech that did my vitals was like are you okay you're not leaving with your child lady no 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 it wasn't like bad but she was like I think she just wasn't like expecting I don't know how common it is for women to really admit I don't feel like Like it's that common for anybody to answer those things that truthfully and then the people that do ask normally it's probably a hey I know I said some things on that form like Everything is okay, but it might not be. But for somebody to be like flat out, like answer them honestly is probably more on the rare side. Yeah, I could tell she was like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. And I mean, the questions are like, I don't even remember what they are. But um, obviously, I never felt like I wanted to kill myself or my kids. I just felt like I like when I was overwhelmed, I felt like I just wanted to like push specifically my one kid away from me so she got the practitioner and she came in and she I she was like are you how are you doing and I was like I'm not okay like I instantly told her I'm like I'm not okay mm-hmm. things are not okay I'm scared like I've never felt like this before and I already had anxiety to begin with and this was just like way different and she was like okay Let's skip your exam. We can do it another time. Let's let's figure it out. So she recommended I go on Lexapro, 
So I went on Lexapro. And then she also gave me a card to a therapist that she recommended. And I don't know. I'm assuming my therapist like goes around and hands her cards. I don't know. I don't know how she got my therapist card. How those resources all came full circle. But my therapist specifically specialized in like postpartum. And like women with baby loss and all kinds of stuff. So I called her right away and got on with her right away. And for me, it was more so like I was scared. I was so scared that like I would do something to my kids. Like I didn't I I didn't have the intent, but I was being a nurse. And I think that's what like I think that's what really helped me. I work in an ER and like I see people come in who go from like living their life with like mental illness on medications like coasting and then like bam it just can happen like things can just go left left right is that the left right whatever take <laughs> a turn for the worst go, however take you want. a turn for the worst but i've seen it happen in real life and i was like I'm not going to like just push this aside. I'm so scared because I also know about postpartum psychosis. I wasn't in psychosis, but like, and it's not very common, but I was like, what if like, if I don't do something, what if I don't deal with this now? Like, what if I go into psychosis and like do something crazy? So I knew for me that I needed to get help. So this is one, I feel like you and I together and you separate have answered this a couple times, but it, it's a popular question. How do you get your partner on board with a parenting style? Yeah, this is a really important question. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening and you're early on, like you don't have kids yet, talk about it right away because... You're going to have kids and you're going to be tired and exhausted and cranky and it's going to be really hard to figure it out at that time. Even better, before you get married, talk about it. But like, I don't feel like we talked about it at the time when I was, when we were getting married and we were young and first having kids, like I wasn't even thinking about, this is the kind of parent I want to be. I don't know if you were. Not really. I think in our like pre-marriage classes, we had like a little bit of like, not like we actually talked about it, but... It, he kind of put in the, hey, yeah, you should probably bring up some more conversations other than the ones we've talked about. Like, do you believe in spanking this and that for your kids? What do you want? Like, this wise. So like, we had, like, a very loose groundwork mm -hmm. of it. But that was, yeah, nothing like, well, how do you want to handle this situation or anything like that? And it's really hard to, like, have those discussions super early because, like, how how do you know? Anyways, most people listening here probably already have kids, probably are in the trenches. I heard about respectful, gentle, authoritative, whatever you want to call it. I heard about that type of parenting on the internet, and I was very intrigued. It was almost six years ago, and it was, like, really hot. Like, it was getting really popular on the internet. And I did my research, and I loved it. I loved everything about it, and I... At the time, I think my son was six months old or something. And I said, I brought it to Tom. I was like, this is how I want to raise our kids. But also, we had a really colicky baby. And we both early on just, like, knew we couldn't just put him down and let him scream. 
So mm-hmm. we already had that, like, okay, we're just going to nurture him through this. I brought it to Tom and he was on board. And I, I love that about you. Like, I love that you are like, I'll do whatever. I, I trust you. I believe it'll work. And he's not the type that's going to push back. He's not the type that's going to be like, well, my parents did it this way and it worked. So I'm doing it again. He's not that way. And I love that. And I'm not that way. Like, I'm very open and... Yeah, that's how we did it. However, if you have a partner, which is way more common to have a partner that's a little bit more resistant um, to that, because quite frankly, it's easier to be like, shut up, go to your room, don't cry. Like it's, it's easier to do that. It's easier to shut down all the emotions, to not welcome all the big feelings, to not have to work through all these scenarios. It's so much easier. But in the long run, you're creating little traumas for your kids whereas the parenting we're choosing to do we're creating like a lifelong openness and relationship with our children anyway so how would how should you approach it with your partner the best advice I have is to talk to your partner in a non-threatening way Like, don't go to him. Like, I I feel like I could have done it differently with Tom, but luckily Tom is very laid back and it didn't bother him. And if I were to do it again, I would be like, hey, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how we should handle certain behaviors with our kids. Like, how would you like to do it and what's important to you? Like, I think that's what you should bring to your partner. Ask them, like, what's important to you? How do you want to do things? What's like a non-negotiable? And then go from there knowing like for me I already knew what I wanted and I was gonna have it (laughs) don't do that because I feel like that can come off threatening and pushy and like know it all bring it up and then sit down and talk about like share what's important to you say to your partner like this is what's important to me non-negotiable for me is I do not want us to spank our kids and you have to be okay with some of the gray area Maybe you want certain scenarios handled a certain way, but your partner just isn't on board or like is not grasping it. You have to be willing to let it go because not every single scenario is going to break your child. It's just over time, if your child has a parent that's like fully welcoming of their emotions and doing the best that they can, then they're going to be okay. See, I think... A lot of this question is more geared towards, hey, how do I get my husband onto this? And this is assuming, so sue me if I'm wrong here, but I would say like the two biggest things are you have to come into it knowing that there isn't one set way that's going to work in every scenario and every situation. So if you're doing gentle parenting or if you're doing just how this is how I was raised, there's going to be times where it's not going to work for you and it might work for your spouse or vice versa, because there's times when the kids will respond to Nina doing and saying the same exact things that I say in a very positive way. But when it's me doing the same thing, they look at me like I got like fairies coming out of my mouth and they get to do whatever they want. So like, (laughs) don't be so dead set into your ways that I am going to do this strictly. Sometimes 
if there's a situation that calls for it, you might have to raise your voice at your kid. Just don't do it often. They will recover. And the other thing is, if you're trying to get somebody away from something that you can see is a bad habit forming or bad style, one thing I would say, especially to like a husband, is, hey, did you like read any of these parenting books or anything? Do you know anything about how this stuff actually works? I did. I mean, don't be a smartass about it. Because like, the way you just said it sounded awful. Like, well, if yeah. you came to me and said, did you read any of these? Well, I mean. Like, I think there's a big. But like, bro, did you did you actually do any research or not? Because I'm very passionate. You kind of touched on this, too. Like, I'm passionate about this. I spent the time and effort to really research this stuff. This is what I want to do and explain your reasonings why. And if they push back, well, that's how I was raised. Okay, congratulations. Cite your sources. You? We have issues all the time. Get out of here with that. Okay, there's a, the people that are like, it was a horrible words and I turned out fine. But I think the, when they say something like that, just say, hey, yeah, I, I, I think that if you feel that the way you were raised was fine and good, I love that for you. However... I feel like we could do better. I feel like we could do things different. And I love this example. Like, I love using this example for people. You know, like, brain surgeons performed brain surgery a completely unique way 30 years ago. That doesn't make them a bad surgeon now. The surgeons performing brain surgery now, 30 years later, are doing things differently. They're using new technology, new tools, because there's research and evidence and practice and data that proves that things should have been different. And that's the same with parenting, psychology. It's all neurologically and psychologically all related. Like, use that example. Like, we... We can't. If we all parented the same way that people parented 100 years ago, we'd be screwed. Like, and 30 years from now, our kids are going to be like, wow, I can't believe my parents did that. I think it's important to note that, like, the times change and it's okay to change with the times. It doesn't mean that the people before us, the generations before us were bad. They did what they did with what they had. Next question. What do you feel are the impacts of gentle parenting on your household generally now? And how did you start? Well, I kind of just shared how we started. I did a ton of research. I became obsessed. I loved everything about it. I loved I loved the idea of having firmness, respect, kindness, love, but also like boundaries and consequences. And I also love that consequences were directly correlated to the behavior instead of you didn't take, you didn't put your shoes where they belong. So now you don't get your iPad the rest of the day. I mean, I, I just love everything about authoritative parenting. I feel like it's so good. So that's how I started. Lots of reading, lots of research. And it's very difficult. It's not something that comes easy to me. I'm not naturally a calm person. (laughs) I think generally gentle parenting has been a game changer for our entire family, like including our marriage. Mm -hmm. I think it has taught me so much about communication and like empathy. And I feel like we have this overall respect for each other in our family our kids know 
what their routines are. They know the boundaries. They know the rules. They know that we're a team. They even say, like, mommy and daddy are a team. We're a team. Our family's a team. Um, I think it's been really good in general. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's very nice to be able to sit there and when there is something that happens, our kids are able to just tell us like what they're feeling. Like, mm, mm-hmm. I'm mad or I'm sad or sometimes I even say both. Naming and feelings it, is a big one. Yeah, and it, and it really helps. Like, I mean, there's even been times where we didn't know anything was wrong and one or the other has come down to us and just been like, I'm mad at you right now. Like, oh, well, I'm sorry. What, what did I do that made you mad? Or what did I do that you're feeling mad now? And they'll tell us and then we can try to remedy it or... I love that you corrected yourself there because that's super important. Like, you don't ever want your kids to think that they're responsible for your feelings. So, like, your ki- you know, you can't say, I- I'm so mad. You made me so mad when you threw that bottle. Like, no, your child didn't make you mad. What made you mad is the bottle was thrown. That's what made you mad. And, or... No, right? Yeah, but you're saying what made you mad, and I was talking about the kids, but it's the same concept. You don't want to say that you caused their feeling, or you want to say, like, you're feeling this way because of something that happened. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make them feel like they caused your emotions or you caused theirs. It's emotions get caused by actions, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's very helpful to it. I feel like it has cut down tremendously on a lot of tantrums and issues because they can tell us how they're feeling and what they're feeling before it gets to a point of mm-hmm. they are so frustrated they can't explain themselves. Mm-hmm. I also speaking of tantrums, I also think it's I've noticed a big difference in meltdowns in our kids. They still have them. Like, they still have tantrums and meltdowns are two different things, but they don't last as long because they're able to, like, when they're having a tantrum or meltdown, we sit with them, we're quiet with them, we take them to a safe space, we remind them that we're here and their feelings are safe, and that, like, helps them calm their bodies down, especially when we're with them. And there's times, like, there has been times where it's been hard, Mm -hmm. like, Kicking, throwing, destroying the room. Like, I mean, it's hard, but you just have to hold your ground and like make sure your kid knows you're there. And because we've done that with our almost six year old, we've done that for the past six years that like they're so short lived now. A few seconds or and the ones that are longer, they're not even that long. Well, and they still know the boundaries. So, yeah, like, I mean, some people will judge it like, oh, you just tell them what their feelings and that they're okay to have feelings but they can do whatever they want no they still know what's right and wrong they still know like you can't do these things and the other best thing about it too is we don't have secrets so even if they do something they know they're not supposed to like in the morning if they wake up before we do and they sneak out and maybe they grab a piece of chocolate or turn on the tv or this they will tell us like right away, like, oh, 
I'm sorry, I was watching TV. Or I'm sorry, I grabbed a candy. And and the key is like we don't scold them or get mad at them or shame them for it. As much as I want to be like, you know better, you shouldn't do that. I say thank you for telling me. I know you know what the rules are. And I can tell that you know that you made the wrong decision. And I still love you. The end. And because of that, it's like so few and far between that they actually do it. Yeah. So the much-awaited top question that you were asked. (laughs) Literally, I don't know what it is, but like everyone was asking me. People are dirty. They just want in your dirty I think people just want to know because they want to feel less alone. Maybe. I don't know. What's your favorite sex position and how is your sex life? I would say, what is it called when the girl's on bottom and the guy's on top? Missionary? Yes, ma'am. Missionary is my favorite. Nothing wrong with the classic. What's yours? Um, it depends, but that's always... God, I hope our moms aren't listening. Meh. It's nothing they haven't seen or done before. Not with their kids. Really creepy. I hope it's not with their kids. Get out of here. Visionary. Listen, like... Okay. Um, Scene. I mean, I feel like we we do connect best that way, and that's what it's all about, so... Is that your favorite, too? Yes, it is. I love that for us. We can move around a bit, do whatever we want. I just like to just stay in that position and get it over with. I mean, why change something that's working? Especially when leading to another question on here is how has co-sleeping affected your sex life? I feel like when we have the break between the kids go to sleep and they wake up and come into our beds, we don't have time for getting too crazy all the time. It's No, it's it's like we got to get this done quick because at any given moment, a, could, a kid could be walking in that room. Co-sleeping, I don't feel like has affected our sex life. I think it just like. Because they come in too late. For we that. can't we just like have sex in the morning, you know. Or like wake up in the middle of the night. And, hey. You can't have like 3 a.m. sex when he wakes up, you know, with a yeah, boner. It's, it's more of just, hey, kids are asleep. Let's make the best of the time here. How's our sex life? I. I feel like that's such a personal question in the sense that like you have to be comfortable with what your sex life is based on how your life is and with the discussions you've had with your partner. I think our sex life right now in this moment could be better. It's definitely like on the back burner right now. And that's just something we have to work on. But we also both know that it's something we have to work on. I mean, it ebbs and flows. I think I don't think it's the worst but i do think it could be better yeah i mean again i think everybody's is always changing but i mean yeah like you said we have we both are aware it's on our lower priority it seems like the thing to accomplish and we have so much other stuff going on that i mean i feel like we both want to make it more of a priority and we are working on that but yeah, like I said, could be better, but it's not absolutely terrible. And we're both, like, we've talked about it, so we're not sitting here, like, shocking each other with the fact, like, that we're saying this. No, yeah. We're on the same page. You know, I think people see this image of Tom and I, like, 
we're so happy and we laugh and we're funny and Tom's funny and we have our shit too, you know, like kind of like I said in the beginning, what makes me jealous is seeing someone's perfect life on social media. Our life isn't perfect. Like we struggle with the same things you struggle with and sex is currently one of them. Hmm? Well, I mean, in half the time too, like we, we get into a good spot and then life like we start getting into a routine. We we put in the work to where we are getting to where we want to be. And then one of us is deathly sick or the kids or mm-hmm. and there's a trip or there's this or that. And, and you made a good, like you brought up a good point. We put in the work. The thing with success is you have to work for it. It's not something that like you have to plan it. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't say have, but it's totally normal and common to feel like but you have to plan it or like think about when it's going to happen in the future. Think about when you have time for it in the day and in the week, because as parents, it's not that simple. You can't just like drop your pants and go. You have to actually like think through these things. Sometimes it's fun and exciting to be able to have sex on a whim. Heck yeah. That's the life. That's why before kids and when you're young, sex is great because you're just like little bunnies all the time. But when you have, I mean, we work together in our house, we have kids and it's it's just a lot, you know, so, but we're good. Should we go like have sex now or what? Just right here. One of them's about to wake up. How much time do we have? Uh, We have like half hour maybe? We got too much time. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have way more questions left. I don't know. Should we do a part two? Let me know. I'm going to pull you guys on social, see if you want a part two, and then we'll go from there. We have 40 some minutes. We got time to do both. Have sex and a second episode. (laughs) Easy. Okay, no, but for real, thank you for being here. Thank you for episode 100. This is so crazy to me. I love you and I would love your reviews. I would love for you to follow on socials. And obviously I want you to come back next week because next week we are starting off the month of January with the Confidence Series. See you then.